0: Hey, I'm Allison, host of Fine Cut, a podcast where a guest brings a scene they have strong feelings about, love, hate, curiosity, from any form of media. And then we discuss the heck out of it for 20 minutes. It's a blast. Join us. Hi, I'm Allison. Thanks for joining me for Fine Cut today. I have Ellen Burkett, Morris joining me and we are going to talk about what scene and why
1: we are going to talk about a scene from the white rock episode of better things and uh, we're going to talk about it because when I saw it I had a sort of intense personal connection to it and it's it really pushed me to explore that further to really interrogate myself and say okay what is it about this that's, that's hitting me so deep. And so, yeah.
0: So when you watched it, did you have one of those emotional reactions that you don't really know what it's connected to, but you just feel this kind of waterfall or this, like, I mean, for me, I cry, I'm a crier. So I will just find myself kind of overcome with feeling. And sometimes I can't pinpoint why, especially on the first viewing.
1: That's it. There were tears and there was also just great curiosity. And I would go back to the episode and rewatch it and rewatch it. Mm -hmm. And and there was also like a great satisfaction in it as if uh, something had been summed up there Mm -hmm. that I'd been waiting to have summed up for me. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I just kept returning to it. And it was only recently that I was able to put the pieces together of what I saw in there that related to, you know, to myself and my own experience.
0: So just for people who haven't watched Better Things or this episode, which I rewatched for this conversation, Better Things, you know, the quick story is it's about a single mom, Sam and her three daughters. And. She takes them to visit her aunt and uncle, who we have no idea even existed before this episode. She takes them up to Canada. She lives in L.A. She's in the business. And they arrive in this kind of magical, I think it's being presented as this magical place in Canada with her mother's brother and his wife.
1: Yes, exactly. And you know, um, uh, one of the things I began to piece together as I started to figure out why that episode resonated with me was that my si- I'm I'm one of three mm-hmm. sisters. Uh, my mother, after post divorce, was essentially a single mother. And the summer before my parents got divorced, they sent us to us uh, to to my dad's brother's house to spend the summer while they sorted out what was going to eventually become their divorce and while i was there i had a, a somewhat similar experience of really identifying with my aunt and uncle really finding that they looked at me and my sisters in ways that my parents didn't seem to have the bandwidth or or emotional energy so you know they engaged with us with us in a way that was different and it was really a gratifying kind of experience and so that was one of the one of the first ways in which I realized oh wait a minute that's why this speaks to me
0: yeah i think the episode did a great job of showing that bandwidth thing that you mentioned like it, that sometimes parents don't or caregivers they it's not out of lack of love it's they truly can't access a place where they have patience for this behavior one more time, one more time, one more time, you know, where fresh eyes, they do, they can make a difference. You, you can see someone anew. And I, I, they did such a great job of that. You, uh, Sam has three daughters, a teen, an early teen, and like a 11 year old girl. And, um, and 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 now that i have children this age rewatching it it was funny it resonated with me in a different way um but i i thought it did that very well and which scene specifically did you want to talk about the scene at the end almost yeah like- i think
1: the scene at the end was the one that the one that really left me with a sort of a summary understanding of some things that i'd been struggling with myself mm-hmm. so yeah
0: and what happens yeah. in that scene just because not everyone yeah. will have an opportunity and I don't yeah. think that's a YouTube link
1: right and you had mentioned that the three daughters so so the oldest daughter gets taken under the wing of the aunt the great aunt mm-hmm. who who sort of tells her stories about teen love including the fact that mm-hmm. she uh, was it that she knew John snogged, Lennon or that she snogged yeah?
0: with John, with John she, Lennon oh yeah that's right yes, mm. yes. yeah so and he was a nice. terrible kisser and he wouldn't stop talking <laughs> which made me laugh <laughs> that's
1: so fantastic accurate, I think yeah, yeah, and then and then the middle daughter is taken under the wing of the uncle, uh, and he teaches her carpentry. And the the younger daughter was a bit more like me at that age, kind of off by myself, dreaming and 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 a little bit lonely. And so she sees uh, when she's out at the beach, she sees she's a kind of a seer. She's this happens in other episodes where she'll know things or see ghosts, and she sees the ghost of a woman in uh, a old-fashioned dress and at dinner she learns that that it's called sad lady beach and that sad lady was a lady who had killed herself by throwing herself on the train tracks in town Mm -hmm. and um and so there, you know, there, but there she is, sad ladies on the beach and Duke, the youngest daughter sees her. And at the end of the episode, Duke uh, Duke talks to the sad lady. And in fact, I've got the quote of what she says to her there. She says goodbye to the ghost of the sad lady by saying, I hope you're okay. And that you could not be sad and that you feel better. And I'm not scared of you is what she says. Um, so, so that is the scene that had that, again, I thought that was a message that I, in in fact, wanted to hear my, you know, wanted to be able to tell myself in one way or another.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really sweet. The scene she's, um, it's, it's, it feels like an embodiment of being seen and being told that this, the act of seeing you is not terrifying. You know, I think so many of us worry or carry around this pain that if we are truly seen, we will be rejected. And so right. there's just really, it's emotional just thinking about it, this, I see you a, and I'm not scared of you. Exactly.
1: exactly. It's emotional and it's really beautiful. And, you know, the extra sort of complication, the extra wrinkle or connection that I carried, with, with that is, is that, you know, I was born prematurely in 1965. And um, as a consequence had a mild case of cerebral palsy that left me up on my toes. And I got surgery to correct that when I was either five or seven, I can't remember exactly when, which left me walking with a slight limb. And um, which my parents never really acknowledged. Um, and the disability. They never it was never really a part of the way they talked to me about myself. It wasn't really part of my experience. I didn't end up getting corrective shoes or physical therapy. It it was more sort of uh, there was always a message of you're great, you're great just as you are, go out and get them, you know, kind of thing. And so the resonance for me, I think, was the fact that in some ways, my disability was a family secret. It was an unacknowledged um, family fact and it wasn't treated as fact. And so I grew up with a sort of, uh, with myself, here I am presenting myself, I'm getting up, I'm doing the things I have to do. When I fall, I get up and I do what I need to do. But on the other hand, I knew that my experience was different from those people around me and that I was gonna be more likely to fall and that there were that there were moments when people did notice it and judge me on it, other moments when people didn't notice it at all. So it was really confounding in a way in, in terms of my own self-image. Almost, It almost created, I felt like there wasn't a very integrated sense between who I was and what I honestly had to deal with and how I presented myself to the world. Um, now, later in life i got a rheumatoid arthritis di- diagnosis which left me moving way more slowly uh, lots of ups and downs in terms of my mobility from day to day and it just simply wasn't a question there it, i could know it was no longer something i could play off or that people wouldn't notice and then it was when i had to grapple with the fact oh well you know i've spent all this time acting as if this isn't real and it's very very real so compounding so compounding with that is, you know, I've written about it publicly. I wrote an essay for the Ethel. My aunts and uncles saw it, and my uncle, who lives in California, called me and said, "I never knew this. I'm so sorry." So here we are, aunts and uncles and family secrets, and you know, uh, this kind of this kind of reckoning from all of this stuff. And and that's you know that's when it really occurred to me what it was about this episode that kept bringing me bringing me back and and a friend said to me that our secrets make us ghost to ourselves, which I thought was really wild and also really apropos. And so suddenly I'm like ah okay this is why when she when she declares herself. To the sad lady on the beach, this is why it hit me in the way that it hit me. Um,
0: That makes a lot of sense. And also there is a family secret in the episode, which doesn't get brought up in the scene. But I do think the weight of the revelation of that family secret and Sam's grappling with it definitely affected me emotionally. Um, Sam has a great aunt she never knew existed and was institutionalized at a young age uh, for mental health issues that are not described any further than that and she finds out that she's dead um and i was i hearing you talk about your growing up i think that dissonance of you have something that you are experiencing but you're not you're not given the space to discuss it or acknowledge it I think that was a lot of what was considered good parenting back then. There was this kind of like, well, we're all just the same, you know, it's just power through and get through it. And, and it, I think it does make you a ghost to yourself. That is so well put, um, because you're not embracing your whole self. You're not even presenting your whole self to the world. You know,
1: exactly, exactly. And, and, and you're given this message for me, the message was always, well, you know, when, when I used to have metal braces on my legs before the surgery, and I would fall frequently, and the doctor said to my mother, don't pick her up, let her get herself up, if you pick her up, she's not going to pick herself up. And my mom recalled watching me fall and crying. So now I have both the trauma of having fallen and not have anybody help me and the somewhat some level of guilt based on my mother's intense sadness because she was told not to not to help me pick up, not, not to help me get up. And so, I you know, all of that sort of feeds into um, this idea that that's what you do. That's how you handle your problems is that you pick yourself up and keep going. And I have to be honest with this rheumatoid arthritis pain, There were just times when I hit a wall with that, when I would continue to do what had worked so well for me for so long, what had been rewarded by everybody in my life, which was pretend it doesn't exist and keep on going. And and I couldn't do it. I physically and emotionally could not keep that up. And that's when I had to, you know, that's when I really had to get real with myself and acknowledge, you know, what it was I was dealing with. And the validity of it and the fact that I was going to have to look around and say, help, Mm -hmm. you know, can you help me? Uh, And that that was okay. Um, But I mean, it, it was a tremendous reckoning. And I'll be honest, it happened during COVID, you know, in part because of the pressure of that sort of a situation, which was so physically threatening to all of us really made me go within and grapple with my stuff myself. And I think also just having the time to begin to think about those issues, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's just been uh, an intense couple of years with a whole lot of therapy <laughs> and, <laughs> it helps. and uh, yeah. And it helps. a whole lot of thinking and writing, mm-hmm. you know, about it as well. So,
0: well, I, I'm grateful for you for sharing this and that this scene brought this up because I think so much of power structures and the systems that we have, they, they thrive on silence mm-hmm. and the more that we all share our stories and how they truly affect our day-to-day life with no shame or apology, just this is what I am living with. This is my life. I think it, it matters a lot. And, and it gets me sort of through the day, to be honest, because I think the, the world can feel very overwhelming. And I think it the more that we speak up, I ha- I have to believe that it matters. I, I think that it does.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Me too. I, I, I'm with you 100%. And I think, you know, I think part of the way You know, And I think part of this process for many of us is this interaction with the media where we watch these things being played out on the screen and we say to ourselves, oh, wait a minute, there I am. You know, there I am. I, I, you know, the little girl who sees things that other people don't see or who's been through things that other people don't, you know, can't see, who says this generous thing to this ghost who welcomes this ghost to be yourself you know it was just I, I don't know just the process of figuring all that out was so was such an amazing sort of um uh raining uh, thing of aha moments there as i was as i was dealing with it um i've since put this together in an essay it's going to appear all right and yeah in newsweeks my turn column i don't have a publication date but you know again thinking it's time to tell that story and i'm guessing that other people have similar stories as well and so
0: absolutely yeah. other people have similar stories and and it's it's such a power i think we there's so many problems we know with the media but there is so much power in seeing ourselves reflected and something that we believed was just us that we were suffering with or sitting with and then you see oh well at least this other person experienced it. And it's funny you say about the ghosts and the seeing things. I mean, I think a lot of children have those. I, I definitely did. I think you're just attuned to a larger world than, right. than grownups. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I have to say too, just a huge kudos to Pamela Adlon for putting on the screen uh, that sort of female experience. and she And she does it all. She shows you kind of really what it's like when when a single mom has three daughters, what they really go through and and what female friendship at that age and menopause and all of that, you know, I found that she's just been a tremendous truth teller uh, when it comes to female experience. And so um, was really delighted to find myself among those stories that she was telling. So
0: yeah, Any other last thoughts? I agree with you about Pamela Adlon. And there's a special pleasure, I think, because she was a young actor. Like we remember her when she was a teenager and we've watched her grow up or grown up with her and that she's here now where she's accepted these parts of herself that she wasn't able to because she was, you know, needing to perform a certain way for the business and that she could, it's, it's special for sure.
1: No, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. You know, it was one of those things that just kind of blew me away when I watched it and I went back in and delved back in and finally figured it out. And, and, uh, and so just, um, uh, really happy to be able to share that.
0: I'm so glad you did. And I'm excited to, I've, I've read your essay because you sent it to me, but I'm excited to read it in print or online, wherever it appears. And where can people find you, Ellen? Cause you are an author. Of yeah, my yeah. Book.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've got uh, a book of short stories called Lost Girls and uh, poetry books um, called Surrender and Abide, both of which are completely follow those themes <laughs> of those two words. And uh, you can I've got a website. It is Ellen Morris dot Inc. Um, and you could find me on in- Instagram under Ellen Burquette Morris. And so, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I'll put those in the show notes and, and Ellen's name will be all over this episode. So you'll know how to spell it. Um, well, thank you, Ellen. This was such a lovely conversation and thank you for drawing my attention back to this episode. I was emotionally affected watching it again. It was, I, I don't rewatch a lot cause there's so much to watch, but there, I do enjoy it when I do it. So thank you for, for sort of encouraging me to do so with this conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye.